The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street, and here is your top five at five. A tech-driven rally underway as buyers embrace a new risk on trade. What Jay Powell said yesterday, that is putting some investor nerves at ease. Adding to the possible gains, Facebook's meta, why that stock is set to surge at the open. It is not just the Fed. Two more key rate decisions on deck, both set to lift rates to their highest level in 15 years. Plus, the $100 billion market meltdown hitting the pockets of Asia's now formerly richest man. It's a fight you've got to hear. And later, first it was Chevron, then it was Exxon. Now Shell's top line is doing something for the first time ever. It is Thursday, February 2nd, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and as always, welcome from wherever in the world you might be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Good Thursday morning. Let us jump right in, and as we do every day, get a check on U.S. stocks, which is kind of a, a mixed bag this morning, maybe a little more green on the screen for the NASDAQ. NASDAQ futures looking really strong, by the way. A lot of that's going to be Facebook tell you that in a moment. NASDAQ futures up 176. That would be the biggest pop, at least I can remember, this year so far. Dow futures slightly in the red. By the way, speaking of the NASDAQ, with yesterday's 2% gain, the index on pace for its first five-week win streak in more than a year. How about that? Some of the biggest gainers so far this week, you've got names like AMD, Microsoft, and Tesla, and that is before we even talk meta and we'll get much more on that in just a moment. Meantime, in the bond market, yields are moving down a bit following the Fed's latest rate call. A 10-year yield this morning at about 3.41%. Similar story for oil. It is mostly lower. Crude oil just over 76 bucks a barrel. OPEC yesterday kept its output plans unchanged. Their next full meeting, meaning likely in person with all, all the gang, is going to be in June. Crypto, though, wow. That has been maybe... The market story of the year. Crypto just keeps moving higher. Bitcoin at 23,800 and change. Crypto, in particular Bitcoin and Ether, the best performing asset classes by far so far this year. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Not me. All right. We've got a lot to do over the next 59 or so minutes, but let's start with what else? The Federal Reserve and Jay Powell raising rates again by one quarter of 1% or in fancy terms, 25 basis points. That is the Fed's eighth rate hike cycle of, well, the cycle, and one that takes its target range to the highest level since October of 2007. While Powell did little to signal this would be the end of the hikes, he did use a new word, disinflation. We see goods inflation coming down for the reasons we thought, and... Um we, we understand why housing inflation will come down, and I think we'll, a story will emerge on, on the uh, 
non-housing services sector soon enough. But I think there is there's ongoing disinflation, and we don't yet see uh, you know we don't yet see weakening in the labor market. So we'll have to see. Now, disinflation is a fancy word for the slowing in the rate of inflation, meaning that inflation overall still going up just at a slower pace. Now, the Fed is just the first in a trifecta of rate decisions this week. In just about two hours, we'll get the latest from the Bank of England, followed shortly by the European Central Bank. Both expected to follow our Fed's lead with inflation still stubbornly high in the region. We've got full team coverage of both this morning. Jumana Brissetti standing by outside the Bank of England. And Annette Weisbach is at the European Central Bank in Frankfurt, Germany. Jumana, let us begin with you and expectations from the UK. The Bank of England is expected to hike interest rates by 50 basis points today, taking the base rate from 3.5 percentage points to 4 percentage points. This would be its ninth consecutive rate hike in a row. And certainly there is a lot of pressure on the Bank of England to continue along this path of monetary policy tightening. We had headline inflation for the month of December come in at 10.5 percentage points, private sector wage growth running very hot at 7.2 percentage points. But all this has come at the expense of the economy. You'll note that earlier in the week, the IMF released their latest economic projections for 2023. The UK stands out for being one of the lowest in the world. The projection there is that the economy is going to grow at minus 0.6 percentage points for 2023. Now, back in November, the Bank of England surprised markets with their very dire economic projections as well. They had minus 1.5 percentage points for this year, minus one percentage point for 2024. So there is an expectation that they might have to upgrade those growth forecasts. But of course, the economy is deemed to still be in a recession. Now, the market's also going to be watching out for any language vis-a-vis uh, -vis inflation deceleration and whether or not inflation rates have started to drop faster than the Bank of England had originally anticipated. One other final thing to watch as well is the vote splits. Back in December, two policy members uh, actually voted for no hike at all. So it seems as though going into this meeting, the vote is going to be more evenly split. The majority probably will go for that 50 basis points hike. So we may get some dissenters, some calling for 25 basis points and some also calling for no change, which means that the bar for further significant rate hikes of 50 basis points magnitude is probably a lot higher than it was before. Brian. All right, Jumana Brissetti, thank you very much. That is England. Now let's get out to Annette Weisbach, who is in Frankfurt, Germany, outside the European Central Bank. Annette. Hi. Yes, here the situation is quite similar to the one in the UK. The European Central Bank is expected to hike its main refinancing operation rate by 50 basis points to 3%. And also the deposit rate is expected to be hiked by 50 basis points to 2.5%. So the inflation picture is a bit better here on the continent than in the UK. Inflation rate just yesterday came in lower than expected. It is a downward trend, but still very very much ahead of the target of the ECB at 8.5%. So what we are seeing here in the euro area is as well what they call in the central bank second round effects, high wage demand across the continent, especially here in Germany. Uh, the uh, service sector trade union is calling for a whopping 15% higher wages. And we are seeing also food prices being on the rise, core inflation being very sticky. And that is a major concern 
and for the policymakers behind me in the European Central Bank. So what is expected as in terms of interest rate pass so that the, the terminal rate will be somewhere between 3.25% and perhaps 3.5% and that should be reached by June or July this year. Any wording change from uh, Madame Lagarde that uh, the, the, the ECB will hike its rate significantly might actually be a surprise to the market on the dovish side. Brian. All right, Annette Weisbach outside the ECB. A lot of numbers there. Very easy for her to say. Annette, thank you very much. All right, now let's take a little closer to home here in the States and get a check on this morning's top corporate story. Just one big one. Silvana Hanau is here with all things Facebook and Meta. Silvana, good morning. Brian, good morning to you. Well, shares of Facebook and Instagram parent Meta platforms surging ahead of the open. Shareholders seeing a number of reasons to celebrate this morning, not least of which is an announced $40 billion stock buyback. Other highlights include Q4 revenue, daily active users, average revenue per user, and a first quarter sales outlook, all of which topped expectations. But it's not all smooth sailing. Revenue still fell 4% year-on-year, marking the third straight quarter of declining sales. Cost and expenses also ballooned 22% to just under $29 billion. And the ad market remains uncertain. But CEO Mark Zuckerberg says areas are being worked on in what he calls a year of efficiency. There's going to be you know, some more that we can do to improve our, our productivity, speed, and cost structure. And by working on this over a sustained period, I think we'll both build a stronger technology company and become more profitable. Um, I'm very focused on doing this in a way that helps us build better products. And because of that, even if our business outperforms our goals, uh, this will stay our management theme for the year. And Brian, the stock is set to open higher by nearly 20 percent and set to open its, at its highest level since June. Yeah, well down for the 350 or so it began the year at last year, but still a little break, a little yeah. breathing room, if you will, for little, Facebook exactly. slash Meta shareholders. Savannah, <laughs> right. we'll see you in a few minutes. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll see you in a few minutes. We're going to take a short break when we come back. High net worth insight from Tiger 21's Michael Sonnenfeld. We'll get a one-on-one -on -one there. Plus, why it could be a big year for stocks. The amazing market stat on what history says may happen. It's your RBI. And trust me, you're going to want to hear it. Later on, one week and more than $100 billion later, crisis around India conglomerate Adani Group and the man who was once the richest person in Asia, just like a week ago. Can you imagine losing a hundred billion in a week? It's happened. We'll tell you about it coming up. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. 
Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. All right, welcome back. Let's talk interest rates, business markets, and some of America's best entrepreneurs. Earlier this week, I spoke at a conference for Tiger 21. That is an exclusive group of high net worth families, mostly very successful business owners and people who have built and sold a business. So we spoke with Tiger 21's founder and chair, Michael Sonnenfeld, and began by asking him about how his members feel about the markets and the economy, given the recent surge in rates, and the fears of an economic slowdown. You know, Brian, we have so many mixed signals in the economy. Uh, some are pointing to a 15-year event. On the one hand, 60% of our members think we're going into recession. And on the other hand, not only have they reduced cash from 12 to 10%, but our private equity allocation is 31%, an all-time high. And if you add private equity, public equity, and real estate, it adds up to 78% which means our members are more heavily invested than at any time in 15 years. It's kind of amazing. How do you be heavily invested and be concerned about a recession? Well, I would I would assume I'm going to you're the guest, but I'll answer your question, Michael. I'm assume the answer is that these are to be an entrepreneur. You have to be, I think, by nature, a longer term optimist. Correct. I mean, you're also a very successful entrepreneur. So they're, they're probably looking down the road and thinking, you know what? Stocks are down last year. Fine. But I'm, I'm investing for years and decades to come. I, I, I'm assuming that's what they would say. Yeah. Our, look, our members by accomplishment are kind of one in 10,000, uh, just as an order of magnitude. If you're a major football, baseball or basketball player, you're one in 17,000. So we're sort of like the all stars of entrepreneurs. But what characterizes our members is most of them have sold a business and moved from being an entrepreneur to a wealth preserver. But they still want to roll up their shirt sleeves and get involved in businesses they can see and touch and feel, real estate they can kick, because they want to be the first to solve a problem, not the last. And when you've been doing that for 30 years, you know you can prosper in good times and bad. And I think that's probably what this signal says. But it's still a pretty stark green light, red light, and it's uh, it's interesting to try and make sense of it. It is. I got to meet so many of your members, not just at this meeting, but in the past. And I joked in my talk, Michael, I said, you love your real estate. And they do. And I think 23, you've surveyed them, about 23% are exposed to real estate in some way. But what was interesting is that the private markets are a lot more interesting and growing every year than the public markets. In other words, just, you know, buying public stocks like we talk about on CNBC is still interesting, but not as interesting as private markets, it really feels like the private market is, has come into its own the last few years. Yeah. Well, two things. One, on the real estate, for 15 years, real estate was king. It was our largest allocation. And in part, that's because our members made so much money in real estate. They created a lot of wealth. And it's not that 23% of our members have real estate. It's 23% of the assets of all of our members is in real estate. And the reason I'm highlighting that is it had been closer to 30%. We've never seen such a fall. Real estate had been king, and now uh, it's uh, number three after private equity and public equity. And it was interesting, one of our speakers yesterday, a name everybody would know, basically said, uh, 
he wouldn't invest in real estate. And he's one of the largest real estate investors in the world. He thinks prices are too high and, and they still need to adjust. I thought it was amazing that, you know, the wisdom of of, of crowds, our members kind of crowdsourced to the same opinion and have been divesting real estate slowly and prudently for the last year or so. Well, let's wrap it with this, Michael. Um, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates again. They, they, they expect more increases ahead, a little more hawkish maybe than some people thought. Uh, how do you think higher interest rates are going to affect not only the Tiger 21 community, but to your point, real estate and all these other investments? I mean, this is one of the fastest, most aggressive rate hike cycles we have ever seen. You know, one of the things about a conference like this is people can express a diversity of opinions. But the overwhelming opinion is that interest rates may have peaked or they're not going to continue growing as quickly as possible. There's an old saying that there's nothing like high prices to kill high prices. And when you have high interest rates, uh, it changes behavior so much. There's so many things going on in the economy right now with reduced demand, whether it's container rates or supply issues uh, or used cars, for that matter. These all peaked six months or an eight, eight months ago. And although labor is tight, many of the other components have started falling. So I think it's a, a better than even bet that interest rates are not going a lot higher. All right, our thanks to Michael Sonnefeld of Tiger 21. All right, still on deck, a gaggle of good stories, including the changing face of the Australian dollar, Peloton shares bouncing back, chat GPT goes premium. It's your top trending stories, and they're coming up. Stick around. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. All right, welcome or welcome back. Why don't we hit some of this morning's big money movers, shall we? First up is ELF Beauty shares popping after the cosmetics company topped earnings and revenue estimates for the third quarter and raised its full year outlook. ELF says its strong results were driven by strength in both retail and e-commerce channels, marking the 16th straight quarter of net sales growth. By the way, the name stands for eyes, lips and face. It is not a JRR Tolkien character. All right, up next, Align Technology. This is the maker of Visalign. That stock is popping as well, 14%. Basically, I'll sum up their quarter. More people are making their teeth look nice. Company also said it will buy back up to a billion dollars in stock over the next three years. And lastly, Deutsche Bank. The bank smashing profit expectations for the fourth quarter. Nearly doubled analyst expectations, mostly, though, due to a boost in revenue <clears throat> Excuse me, from higher interest rates. Deutsche's CEO attributing its boost in revenue to higher rates and saying the bank has, quote, been successfully transformed over the last three years. That stock, though, not responding. Deutsche down 2%. All right, now to the big story that is rocking India and really rocking the global financial markets, and that is shares of India's Adani Group. They are down again. It's a conglomerate of a bunch of different stocks. Now, the company's total losses have now topped one hundred billion in the past week. It comes after short seller Hindenburg Research 
accused the company, and really the founder, of stock manipulation and raised massive concerns about overvaluation of Adani's seven different listed companies. In fact, they went so far as to call it the largest con in corporate history. Obviously, Adani Group, for its part, has come out and said that is nonsense. They totally disagree. Now, Adani Enterprises plunging more than 20%, hitting its lowest level since last March. They were going to have a share sale, but they shelved it. And that is a major setback for the company's founder, Gautam Adani, a college dropout turned billionaire. Now, until last week, he was Asia's richest person. Not anymore. He has slid in Forbes' ranking of the world's wealthiest, down to 16th from third in just the last week. And the controversy over the company is still raging. Let's talk more now about it. Wall Street Journal reporter covering Asia's financial markets, Weilun Soon, joins us now. Uh, Weilun, good to have you on. I've got to imagine this is taking all of your time. Uh, how big is this story in India and Asia? I know it's big here. It's, it's all we are talking about over the past few days. Um, so as you can see, uh, the stock markets have been going down. Um, I mean, the stock prices of the Adani group uh, of companies have been going down, and that's capturing a lot of the attention of the traders, investors over here. Um, people are keen to learn more about what's going on behind the scenes um, in this big conglomerate, and uh, they, they want to know more. Um, in India, um, people are asking more questions and are trying to talk about um, what kind, what, what does this mean for the corporate governance um, of, of India conglomerates? And um, it's definitely one of the biggest headlines in this part of the world. Yeah, I, I saw a video. So Gatamadani, the man, and if our viewers here in America don't know, we said he was a college dropout, started these companies, got seven different stocks. He was the richest person in Asia until last week. Still, by the way, doing just fine. He's 16th. But I saw a video he posted yesterday, Weilun, about Mm -hmm. basically trying to sort of ease concern, saying the balance sheet is fine, etc. It does not appear to be working at the moment in calming people down. That's right. Um, Brian, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. His video came out um, earlier this uh, today. And this came just right after um, they called off the stock sale, which would have been one of the biggest uh, in, in India in history. And uh, after calling that off, he issued this video to investors. And this was uh, released through the company's uh, video channel. But that failed to um, uh, allay uh, constants, um, as we can see that the stock prices of uh, Adani Enterprise which is the company that was trying to do that secondary share offering, um, has continued to tank. And uh, we are now at $100 billion, as you pointed out, Brian, um, a shrink, $100 billion shrinkage in market value for um, the seven listed companies. And, and um, that has been the theme uh, going on for the past week. Now, I want to be very clear, Hindenburg Research has their point of view, I mean, and it was very plain, basically calling the company kind of a, uh, an accounting fraud and a con, etc. Clear up what Adani Group is saying in their defense. I don't want to just be one-sided on this. How does the company defend these accusations? Right. So I think we have to be very clear that what we have not heard from uh, Gautam Adani, the man himself, is his direct um, uh, addressing of the allegations. 
what he has said so far is that um, the, the, com- the, the conglomerate, uh, these allegations are an attack uh, on um, India itself, uh, on on the economy. Um, and But what he has done in terms of calling, uh, clawing back the, the share sale, um, he's taking moral high ground. He's saying that he's trying to protect uh, investors from uh, the losses that we see um, after the share price has fallen for uh, Adani Enterprises. Um, on the other hand, the CFO, he um, at the beginning um, of uh, last, uh, in the middle of last week, he actually uh, addressed those allegations. Um, but again, um, they they have sought to uh, frame it as an attack on um, India, uh, uh, the the sentiment of the Indian people uh, themselves. So. Um, uh, in, in summary, they have not uh, addressed the allegations uh, directly. Uh, so this remains to be seen yep. uh, whether they can come up with a good response to that. Unbelievable story. Great reporting on it. Weilun Soon, I'm sure this story is a long way from being over. It's captivated uh, much of the world's financial markets. Weilun, we appreciate you joining us. Have a great night. Thank you very much. All right, let's get a check on some of this morning's headlines outside of the world of money and business. For those, let's turn now to our friend NBC's Francis Rivera in New York. Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning. We begin with the wicked weather and a rising death toll in the south. At least eight people were killed in Texas and Arkansas after an ice storm ripped through the region. More than 350,000 Texans are currently without power. Embattled Congressman George Santos is being investigated by the FBI over the claim that the Republican stole $3,000 raised to pay for surgery for a Navy veteran's dying dog. The veteran, Richard Ostoff, says he is speaking to the FBI and handing over everything he has, including text messages with Santos. Santos has called the allegations shocking and insane. The FBI declined to comment. And finally, today captures the true excitement of a, just a large squirrel predicting the weather. It is Groundhog Day. Puxatani Phil returns to his namesake town in Pennsylvania to tell us if we have six more weeks of winter or an early spring. But he doesn't have the greatest track record, according to the National Centers for Environmental Information. He has been accurate just 40% of the time over the past 10 years. So I don't know what he's going to say, Brian, given the fact that we're in New York City. Here we are in February. No snow yet. So my kids are losing their mind because they're dying to go out there and play in some snow. And we're still waiting. I think it's, the, yeah, well, first off, Punk Satani, Phil, I don't know how old that guy is. He's really let himself go. I mean, he's been doing this for hundreds of years. He, he just, he seems like he just doesn't care anymore. Um, I think enough. it's the longest stretch without snow in like 20 20 or 30 years. Don't quote yeah. me on that. I'm not, I'm not the weather dude. But it's, it's pretty unbelievable, right? I mean, it's finally gotten cold. Your kids are like in long sleeve T-shirts lately in New York. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. Although it's going to really be cold over the weekend. But still, no snow. Nothing. Well, well okay. Not, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. But I will be off tomorrow because I will be in the mountains of Colorado <laughs> where there is a, I'll just say, lot of snow. How to rub it in. Okay, Brian. Yeah, I know. Well, I, yes, I will. I'm just going to make a bunch of snow angels. Francis, thank you very much. Like okay. six feet. Give me a little powder. Just remember, there are no friends at a powder day. Francis, thank you. All right, ahead. It is not just Michael Sonnenfeld. What double lines Jeffrey Gunlock has to say about the Fed and what could be the end of an era on this historic tightening cycle. NASDAQ futures surging, and we're back right after this. 
All right, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Thursday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Good to have you up with us here. Let's get right now to how stocks are looking on the back of yesterday's post-Fed meeting rally. And stock futures, you know, technically they're mixed because the Dow futures are down a bit. <clears throat> Excuse me, but the Nasdaq futures are soaring right now. They're up 168 points. The Nasdaq set to surge. A lot of that is meta. We'll get to that in just a second. NASDAQ now on pace for its first five-week win streak in more than a year. Wow, look at that. S&P is up slightly. Let's take a look at bonds, seeing some sharp moves lower post-Fed. Somehow I got that out. Bond yields, that is. The 10-year yield is at 3.41%. Oil also a little lower, but the NASDAQ is really the story. We're going to get more on the markets and your money in just a moment. But right now, let's get a quick check on some of this morning's other top headlines happening now, including... You guessed it, more job cuts coming in technology. Silvana's back with that and more. Silvana, good to see you. Hey, Brian. Yeah, so Pinterest now is laying off around 150 employees. Now, these latest cuts, which equal less than 5% of the digital search company's workforce, come after a previous round of layoffs just this past December. The move comes as Pinterest prepares to report its quarterly results on Monday. Sam Bankman-Fried being banned from attempting to contact former or current employees of FTX and Alameda Research. A judge ordering the ban, also telling Bankman-Fried he is no longer allowed to use encrypted messaging apps like Signal. The decision to amend Bankman-Fried's bail conditions comes after federal prosecutors claimed he had reached out to at least one FTX employee in an effort to allegedly influence his future testimony. And House Speaker Kevin McCarthy giving optimistic outlook on finding common ground with President Biden on reaching a deal on the debt ceiling. Speaking after his roughly one-hour sit-down with Biden at the White House Wednesday, McCarthy refused to discuss specific budget cuts he is seeking in exchange for raising the borrowing limit. The president has said the debt limit should be raised without conditions. Both sides have agreed to continue talks around the debt ceiling, Brian. All right, Savannah Hanal. Savannah, thank you very much. Sure thing. All right, now let's talk about Meta for real. Facebook shares surging right now up nearly 20%. Now, the company had decent sales last quarter, but the real story is a staggering $40 billion buyback. CEO Mark Zuckerberg telling shareholders the company's management's theme this year is, quote, a year of efficiency and that they are focused on becoming a, quote, stronger and more nimble organization. Remember, they just had a massive round of layoffs. And let's see if that stock buyback, $40 billion, one of the biggest we have ever seen, draws any negative attention from the White House, like they did going after the oil companies for their buybacks. All this coming ahead of the busiest day of earnings for mega cap tech. You've got Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet, the AAA, all reporting tonight after the close. Let's talk about it all with Nancy Tangler, CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments. And they sold out of Meta shares last year or maybe in, in 2021, whatever year it is. Uh, Nancy, any desire now to, to get back in with this buyback? Brian, thank you for having me. And congrats on your new show. It's very exciting. Um, Thanks. So Meta, uh, we, we, sold, we began exiting the stock in January of 2021. The stock was trading in the mid 200s, and we kept selling into May, and it, you know, it was in the 300s. Um, the, the trick is always to try to figure out when to get back in, if at all. And one of the things that we have never liked about Meta is the two share class uh, structure, which has allowed Mark Zuckerberg to have a tenure when it comes to all things investor oriented. He has shown a, a, a tremendous antipathy to 
to investors. And so I think one of the questions we ask ourselves is, do we like the model? Uh, and and I really don't. I think there's better places to be. I'm, I'm thrilled for the investors that are still in there. Uh, but if you if you wrote it all the way down and, and are writing it back up, you're still way underwater. So, you know, we've turned our attention to names like Tesla, which we added uh, in January, uh, well, January 4th. So we just happened to get lucky on that one. But we want to we want to have long term sustainable earnings growers. And while I think Meta is there and they are demonstrating discipline with expense reductions, they're going to have a tailwind from currency. All, all these companies that are reporting today will 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 be beneficiaries of a weaker dollar. Uh, but I, I'm not I, this is not the kind of name I want to be in for the next five years. Yeah, and listen, the stock's going to get a lot of attention today on CNBC, Nancy, because it's up 18% now, 20%, whatever it ends up doing. But this was a $350 stock roughly to begin last year. So even with the pop today, investors are basically back to where they were four or five years ago. I mean, this is not a fixed story, is it? No, it isn't. And I think, you know, you have to you have to look at um, the, the regulatory headwinds that may be coming their way, um, that have already come their way. Uh, ad, ad, they've got a lot more competition in the digital ad space. And so we'll hear something about that from Apple today and also from Amazon. Uh, so I, I just, you know, there's nothing wrong with the name. I just think um, there are places where we want to be focused, the, the drivers of the digital revolution um, and, and, the, and then the old economy companies that are embracing uh, the digital revolution, that, that's where our focus is. And so, you know, we've, we own names like Microsoft and ServiceNow, yeah. we also own Apple and Amazon and Google, but Meta's just not one we're going to get back into. Are you expecting any giant buyback announcements from Apple, Amazon or Alphabet tonight, Nancy? I think so, Brian. I mean, I, I think what, what investors want to hear, uh, especially from Amazon, is expense control. They missed their $1.5 billion uh, expense reduction uh, target in fourth quarter. They had reasons for it, but I, we, we'll want to hear about that. Uh, buybacks are certainly going to put a floor under the stock price, so we're eager to hear about that. And then it's going to be all about margins and guidance. And I think with Apple, you know, you've got one of the most disciplined companies in the history of corporate America. Note, they haven't announced any uh, layoffs because they didn't overhire. So we'll, we'll be interested to hear their guidance in terms of uh, global demand. And you remember, they've got uh, a 20% of their installed base that hasn't upgraded their phone in four years. So there's that. That's kind of a think of it as a, a back a back order uh, situation. So we'll, yeah. we'll be eager to hear about that as well. What a big night tonight, Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet. I do not envy the uh, closing bell or, or Fast Money Cruise or, or Jim tonight on Mad. And, and by the way, thank you for the shout-out. The new show, Last Call, is going to be kicking off here in a few weeks. And, Nancy, we hope to have you on that as well. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. All right. All right. You're very welcome. All right. Coming up, your morning RBI and maybe some more good news on stocks this year. We've got some numbers and some history that you will thank us for hearing. I promise you're going to hear this and go, you know what? That show's all right. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. It is time now for your morning RBI. And as promised, today let's get random but interesting on the stock market and maybe yet another reason to be optimistic. Because do you remember the RBI we did a few days ago where we talked about how the market was close to hitting what Carson Group's Ryan Dietrich called the bullish trifecta? That is when the S&P rises in December, 
rises the first five days of January and rises for the month of January. And he showed how that tends to be good news for the year. Well, we did that before the end of January, and now January is over, and guess what? We did it. We ended January with nice gains. So we pulled off that trifecta or triple play of higher stocks. And so what does that mean? Well, of course, it, it may not mean anything. Let's be clear. We've said this before. Every year, every situation is different. That said, there is some nice history on our side, especially when we have the kind of January that we have. Carson Group and Jones Trading note this, that when the market goes up more than 5% in January after a negative year, you got that? We're down the year before, and then we get a 5-plus percent pop to start the new year. It tends to be really good news. It's only happened five times, 1954, 61, 67, 75, and 2019. The market fell the year before and then popped more than 5% in January. And look at those numbers. In those times, the markets boomed for the full year. And if you're listening on the radio, I'll just read it off to you. The smallest annual gain was 1975 when the S&P 500 rose only, and I'm doing air quotes, 20.1%. The average return was 29.7%. And in 1954... The market soared 45%. Wow. So, all right, a lot of numbers there. But the bottom line is that we just did something that has only ever been done five other times, a down year than a big January. And in all five times, you made a lot of money the next year, meaning this year. Now, that may not happen. Of course, we know that. <laughs> but how about that? At least you got a little history on your side, my friends. That is random but interesting and maybe random but profitable. I think those are just amazing, amazing stats. Maybe a reason to, you know, put a little spring in your step to start this Thursday. All right, on deck. Are we close to a rate hike wind down? The growing chorus of high-profile voices suggesting Powell may soon take his foot off the old gas pedal. And if you have not already, be sure to follow the podcast. It's called, you guessed it, Worldwide Exchange. Got to change that picture up soon. Frank Collins going to be your steward, but for now, there it is. Worldwide Exchange Podcast, we're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. Six stories that you need to know about, and so we're going to tell you about them. First up is Meta. We just talked about it. Shares up 18% right now. They're doing a $40 billion buyback while also laying off thousands of workers. We'll see if that draws anger from the White House, who criticized oil companies for their buybacks. Also, Bed Bath & Beyond missing interest payments on its bonds this a week after its lenders warned the company was overdrawn on credit lines as Bed Bath & Beyond is likely to file for bankruptcy. Pacific Gas & Electric, PG&E, pleading not guilty to charges over its role in a 2020 California fire that killed four people. A judge ruling there's simply not enough evidence for the company to face trial on 11 felony and misdemeanor charges. This network's parent company, Comcast, selling nearly 6 million shares of its stake in BuzzFeed this comes interest in BuzzFeed rises over its recent dive into AI. And shares of Adani Group down again, falling nearly 30%, adding to the wiping out of $100 billion in value just this week. This after Hindenburg Research called the India-based group of companies a fraud, something, of course, the company denies. And this year, or last year, proving to be a blockbuster year for Shell, posting its highest ever annual profit, 
$40 billion. Oil Giant also announcing a $4 billion share buyback and a 15% dividend increase for the fourth quarter. There is your WEX wrap-up. All right, now let's gear you up for the trading day ahead. You're going to get weekly jobless claims at 8.30 this morning, productivity numbers, some factory orders numbers. But that's going to take a backseat because today is the busiest day for earnings season. You got Bristol-Myers, Honeywell, Eli Lilly, Merck, Alphabet, Amazon, oh yeah, Apple, Ford, and many others reporting if that is not enough. You also got a pair of central bank rate decisions, the Bank of England at 7 a.m. Eastern, the European Central Bank at 8.15 a.m. Eastern. I'm tired just thinking about it, but honestly, I'm just, just tired. All right, let's get back now to your money because it is clear we are closer to the end of rate hikes than the beginning. And even though Jay Powell gave no indication of clear timing, two top investors believe the Fed is close to pausing its rate hike campaign. Here's what Tiger 21 founder and chair Michael Sonnenfeld told us earlier this hour. And Double Line Capital's Jeff Gunlock had to say yesterday on Closing Bell Overtime. The overwhelming opinion is that interest rates may have peaked or they're not going to continue growing as quickly as possible. There's so many things going on in the economy right now with reduced demand, whether it's container rates or supply issues uh, or used cars for that matter. These all peaked six months or an eight, eight months ago. And although labor is tight, many of the other components have started falling. So I think it's a, a better than even bet that interest rates are not going a lot higher. I think it's it's tough to make the statement ongoing increases with an S at the end of the word increase and do zero unless you had very substantial uh, change in economic conditions. We don't have that much time. I mean, we do have two employment reports, as he pointed out, and a couple of CPIs. But uh, I think one more. All right. So let's bring in David Katz, chief investment officer at Matrix Asset Advisors. Uh, David, welcome back. I mean, your job is to pick stocks and grow the wealth for your clients. So, But how, how much are you eyeballing the Fed and its timing on rates? Well, you want to watch the Fed. It's clearly been a very significant headwind in the last year as they were aggressively raising rates. We think that if they're almost done, and we believe they're almost done, that's going to be a bullish sign for stocks. We think inflation has broken. It's going to allow the Fed to stop raising rates, whether it's one or two more. And then at that point, we think the stock market looks at the economy and the longer term outlook, and we think that's pretty favorable. You know, a little bird, and by that I mean my producer, Evan Falk, who's in my ear, told me that uh, you whispered to him right before the, the, the interview that you own Meta. Obviously, Meta is kind of like right now until tonight, the stock story of the day down from its highs. Obviously, nice pop this morning. What's the what's the bull case on Meta, David? So yesterday's call really was a much better call. Zuckerberg finally started to focus on the cost side. They cut out about five plus billion dollars in the next year. They started to talk about reels doing better and monetizing reels better. He also started to focus on artificial intelligence as a product rather than talking about the metaverse, which is a five to 10 year investment. They're starting to talk about bringing it to the bottom line much earlier. So people thought Zuckerberg had lost his way, was just spending like a drunken sailor. He seems to be doing a little better. If that's the case, the stock is very inexpensive and has good long term upside. We think the investments they're making make sense, but they're finally controlling it with a little bit cost along the way. Yeah, I, I almost feel like you've offended drunken sailors, David, with that. Who knows? So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you, 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 see you, you seem to like sort of out of favor 
beaten up stocks is kind of one of your one of your themes. And PayPal would fall into that. Another name you own that, you know, listen, uh, would drunken sailors would have made fun of PayPal's performance last year, David. And well, they should have. The stock is down from 300, so it was down about 70 percent. They did get an activist involved, and management also started to focus on the cost side. We think they have a good long-term product, good market share, and they're finally running the business with costs in mind, profitability in mind. We think from the $80 level, the stock probably has about 30 to 50 percent upside, and we think 2023 is going to be a good year for them. As we look at this year, we think a lot of last year's biggest losers that are down to reasonable valuations and PayPal is down to about 17 times earnings are going to do really well. We think that a lot of leaders last year are not going to do as well this year. So you want to look through some of the wreckage, good long-term businesses, but that were thrown out last year. I think if somebody asked me, and nobody would ever ask me this, but if they did, and they said, what's the biggest company you never talk about, like in terms of market cap, but just we never talk to the CEO, we never talk about the company, it's got to be Amgen would be my if I had to answer one, I would say it's Amgen. They're gigantic. One of the biggest biotechs in the world. We never hardly talk about them again. Maybe that's a reason you like them. What's the bull case on Amgen ownership? Well, the bull case is that they've done really well. They have a very, very diversified portfolio. They're growing their earnings in low double digits. Yet the stock sells at about 14 times earnings, pays a three and a half percent yield. They had our earnings yesterday or the day before. Uh, the market was a little bit lukewarm on them, but this is what they've done the last few quarters. They announce earnings, the stock sells off. If you buy the stock on that dip, generally it's done a lot better uh, in the following three months and has an upward trend. We think this is a very good buying opportunity, entry opportunity for Amgen. It's a good long-term business. They're very shareholder-oriented, attractive price. With a $260 median price target on a $246 stock. There you go. Meta, PayPal, and Amgen. And some drunken sailor conversation. David Katz, always appreciate you getting up early for us, my friend. Have a spectacular day. Great to be here. Thank you very much. All right, fantastic. All right, folks, I'm going to be off the next couple of days here. Like I said, heading out west to Colorado. I mean, with this weather, how can you not? you got to get the vacation days in before we launch the new show. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange, though. Don't go anywhere. It's a big day. NASDAQ future soaring. Squawk Box is next. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.